Well, welcome to LifePoint today. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Donnie Williams. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you're here for the first time, not only do I want to say thank you so much for taking part of your day and being here with us, I'd love to meet you after the service. I'll be down front along with a couple of the other pastors, and we would just like to meet you, say hello, and get to hear a little bit about what brought you here to LifePoint today. If you're watching online or listening, thank you very much for tuning into LifePoint that way as well. Well, we're in a series called Big Rocks, and it's all about how to live the God-first life. Now, all of us would say that living a God-first life is the wise thing to do. It's the thing that we probably want to do and, and desire to do, especially if you're a follower of Christ, and it's probably something you try very hard to do. But what happens is life starts to really get busy. And can anybody relate to being busy? And since we all just have 24 hours in a day, 365 days in a year, we can't get any more than that. You're never going to have more time than what you have right now. What we need to learn how to do is to better prioritize and figure out, well, what are the most important things that I need to focus on first? Because as we've discovered over the last few weeks, and if you've missed any of this series, you should go online to our website and take a look at the last three weeks where we've been talking about, well, how do we prioritize and put the big things first so we have time for everything else? Because the truth is, there are many people here today that that your life looks like this, that you feel like it's over full, that you've got so much going on that you couldn't imagine putting more stuff into your life. And when I talk about hey, here's some stuff you really need to be involved with. You need to get in a small group or you should get involved more in your community or you should, this is how you can pray every day. This is how you can really start to get into God's word and learn more about the Bible. You think, that'd be great if I had the time. I would love to do that. So then when when we challenge you to do things, it's like, well, I, I can't cram those things in my life, but there's a better way to live. Because we end up trying to put the little things in first, and so the big things don't fit. But if you put the big things in life in first, the little things like our mortgage and emails and vacations and sports and all that other little stuff that tends to take up so much of our time, if we put that in after the big stuff, it all fits. And we all agreed early on that, yeah, if we could live a life like that, we would want to. So we've been spending, we're going to spend a total of five weeks. Next week's our last week talking about, well, how do we live this God first life? And today's big rock that we're going to talk about, we've talked about the big rock of putting God first. We've talked about the big rock of putting family first. We've talked about the big rock of putting our mission, our purpose in life first. And how when we do that, all the other little things just seem to take care of themselves. And today's big rock is generosity. Generosity has a lot more to do, a lot more related to more than just money. But primarily when we think about generosity, we think about money. So what would my life look like if I chose to be generous and make that a a big priority in my life? If I said, first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to be generous with my time, I'm going to be generous with my resources, I'm going to be generous with my money. Now, when it comes to talking about money in church, people feel a little weird, like you shouldn't do that, but the reality is, Jesus talked a lot about money. He talked a lot about our possessions. When it comes to money, there's really only two types of people in this room. There are spenders and there are savers, right? 
Now, if you're a spender, you view money one way. It's like, what other value is there to money except to spend it and enjoy it, right? And somehow God fixes our households to, well, there's usually one of each. But then there's the saver, the, the person that likes to save money, and, and they find their comfort in looking at a bank account and watching it tend to grow and grow and getting online and going, oh, I feel so good that there's more money in the bank. And, and you think about, how can I add to that? A spender thinks, what can I buy with that? And so we view money two different ways, but if you really think about it, no matter how you view money, whether you're a spender or a saver, we're each a lot alike because our focus is what? Money. Some's to spend it. Some is to save it. And so we need to think about, well, how do we become less money-focused, whether you are a spender or a saver? Because if you're a saver, you think you're better than everybody else, right? You think you've got, got everything on straight and everybody else, but you're focused on money too. You're just doing something different with it. So how do we get our lives off of being focused on money and possessions. Generosity is the way to do that. And the only way to learn how to be generous, guess what you need to do? Be generous. That's the way to learn. You have to do it. You have to practice it. That's why Jesus talked so much about generosity, because he knew that we would struggle with money and possessions. If they struggled with it 2,000 years ago, when all they had to buy were maybe I don't know, camels and, and coats, I don't know. You think we're probably struggling with it because there's some really cool stuff that you can buy and have a lot of fun with. And so Jesus very quickly in his ministry starts to address, this is how you should deal with your money and with your possessions. We're going to look at one instance in scripture where Jesus was very specific about what would happen if we focused too much on our money and our possessions. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. Ushers will give you one of those. It's free. If you want a Bible, you can borrow it, or you can also read all of the scriptures on the screen today. In Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus had to say about money and possessions. He said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So Jesus gives us two options with our possessions or with what we can spend our time focusing on. We can either be earth focused or we can be heaven focused. And Jesus forever in this section of scripture establishes a link between our money and our hearts. He says, wherever, wherever your treasure is, that's where the desires of your heart will be. In other words, wherever, whatever you really treasure in life, it's going to pull your heart in that direction. I can remember in the early 90s falling in love with this amazing girl. And I can remember class didn't matter my part-time job didn't matter. Nothing else mattered. All I thought about was when the next time I was going to get to see her and be around her. You guys can probably relate to that. You married guys, or if you're dating somebody and you're like just all like all into them big time, that's all you can think about, right? Or if you're single and you don't want to be, that's probably all you can think about is not being single. So there are things in life that capture our heart. My wife, she captured my heart. 
And if you're married, I hope your spouse just captured your heart to where that's, that's all you could think about. And Jesus is saying that things that capture our heart can just pull us in a direction sometimes, and when that's money, it's a direction away from God. Now, for many of us, you felt a lot of tension this week in your heart. I think it was Tuesday. The new iPhone came out. And then the spenders and the savers, they're going to get really clear right now in the room because some of you are figuring out, how can I upgrade, beg, borrow, steal, do something to be able to get this new device because my old one's a piece of junk and honey, look, my life would be better. Things would just be better if we had the screens bigger. I really need it. I have to have it. And so your heart started to beat. I'm, who's done it? You won't even admit it. You've looked online and you've read and you've thought, I've got to have this. I've got to have this. It would do something and make me feel better, at least for a couple of days, until something better came out. And Jesus is trying to say, Jesus is trying to tell us, look, when you place a high value on something, it has the potential to capture your heart. It has the potential to pull you in another direction. And what he's saying is, it has the potential to pull you away from me. Later, he would get very much more specific. And just a few verses later, he said this in verse 24 of the same chapter. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, he didn't say you can't have money. He didn't say you can't have a lot of money. He just said you can't serve money if you want to serve me. Whether you're a spender or a saver, you know, that, that's not the issue. The issue is, what is your heart devoted to? And Jesus said it can't be two things. So how do we keep from serving money and possessions? The only way to do it is to give more away. The way around greed is generosity. And the only way we can get generous is to make generosity a priority. So it's not the last thing we think about, and then you're thinking, oh, generosity, I would love to do that. There's probably people in this room, you would love to be generous. You would love for this to be a priority in your life, but, but you're, you've arranged your life in such a way, when you try to put it into your life, it just it won't fit. It just won't go. Even though you desire it, even though you want to, you haven't been, and you haven't been making a priority, so it, it just, it's impossible now. And humans have always struggled with this. Humans have always struggled with what's mine, what's God's, how do, I, how do I figure that out? Because there's a lot of things of this earth that are really fun and really enjoyable and, and really make us feel good. And, and so it's always been a struggle. When you start to read your Bible, the very first book of the Bible, fourth chapter, people are struggling with being generous towards God. The first people born on the earth, not, cre- not created out of the dust of the ground, but actually born were Cain and Abel, the sons of Adam and Eve. And here's a little story, a little section of their life in Genesis chapter 4, beginning at verse 2. It says, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain angry, and he looked dejected. In fact, it made him so angry, he ended up just killing his brother. 
He said, I don't like the attention you're getting from God, so you're done. So he killed him. But why did God accept one but not the other? They both gave. They both brought a portion of their, what God had blessed them with back to him. What was the difference? It's one little word. Cain presented some of his offering. Abel brought the first fruits. Abel brought what was first. Hey God, I got all this stuff you gave me. The first thing I'm going to do is make sure that I'm generous towards you. And Cain just said, here's some. I'll give you a little because I need the rest of this for myself. And from that point on, shortly after that, a pattern developed of bringing God that which was first in people's lives. Later in Leviticus chapter 27, it says this. Bring a tithe from everything in the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees. That belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. Now, a tithe means 10%. And this is not a message about tithing and, and why you should tithe. We're going to explore that in a later message this year. But for now, we're talking about the first fruits, the first thing. It's less about the amount and more about the heart. So if they had, uh, what they would do is if they had 10 ears of corn, one, the first one would go to God. And you kept nine for your family. Little, one little calf to God, the other nine for our family. And God said, that is holy. That part that comes back to me first is holy. It's set aside and used for God's purposes. Eventually, the offerings that God asked for started to be used to help the poor, to take care of the temple priests. And it was, it was food and it was um, clothing and it was stuff that you earned and you brought that and you gave that to the temple so the poor could be taken care of, so the temple priest could be taken care of, and God's work could continue to be carried out. In Proverbs chapter 3, King Solomon said this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now imagine if you're a farmer. I doubt there's any farmers in here that like you won't eat unless you grow and harvest. Most of us, we count on the grocery store for all that stuff. But imagine you're a farmer and you have to feed your family with your crops and your herds. There would be a certain level of fear of being generous first because well, what if something bad happens? What if, I, what if I give God the first and the best and then a famine shows up and it doesn't rain? What if, what if I do that? So I really need to make sure first my family's taken care of and then God, you can have what we don't use. And so God guaranteed that if we are generous first, he will take care of us. See, God is not only saying give to me, he's saying give to me first. Giving to God first demonstrates trust. Now, why did God say, give to me first, instead of, hey, keep, make sure you're taken care of, and then, then give to me what's left? Because if we don't give to God first, we probably won't. If we don't give to God first, how else can we demonstrate trust? See, where my money goes first 
shows where I place my trust. See, if it, if it comes to giving and it won't fit, it shows that I, I place my trust in a lot of other things. And so what we end up doing, we don't want to say, God, I don't want to give to you. We say, oh, it won't fit. So here, here God, I'll give you this. This will work. How about that? There we go. Now I've given. And God says, no, I want you to bring to me first, your first fruits, your best. Bring it to me first, and that will demonstrate the trust you have in me to take care of your every need. So here's the bottom line today. When I give to God first, when we give to God first, we prove that God is first. When I give first, I prove that God is first. We don't want, like, if, if you're coming over to my house, and I say, hey, tomorrow evening, love for you to come to my house for dinner. You show up at 6.30, you ring the doorbell, the dog barks, I come to the door, and say, so, oh, I'm glad you're here. We're just cleaning up. Uh, we ate everything. But last week, Cinda made some really good grilled chicken, and it's in, the, it's in the fridge and some foil. Let me heat that up for you. You would think, this is weird. This is really odd. Or if I were coming to your house, you wouldn't think, let's just eat, and when he gets here, we'll just give him whatever's left over in the fridge from last week. You wouldn't do that. You would say, sit down, let's eat together. You wouldn't be that greedy. I wouldn't be that greedy. Nobody admits to being greedy. I've never met a person that said, oh, yeah, I'm greedy. I am greedy. I keep it all for myself first. Most people think they're generous. They do, most people think, well, I'm generous. I gave this amount or this percent. I've seen people be greedy with a little and greedy with a lot. I've seen people be generous with a little and generous with a lot. So how do we make sure and how do we get into the habit of putting generosity first? Well, it's putting the first, the first of anything. We say, God... This is for you. Because if we don't do that, our heart is going to get attached to things that are temporary. And being generous makes sure that our heart gets invested in things that will live on after us. That will go on after, by generosity, by giving to help others, by giving to God, you are ensuring that you're trusting in things that will live on long past you, but if you just hoard it all up for yourselves, you're making sure that you're going to go down as a greedy person. That's why we give you opportunities every week at our church. At the end of this service, there's going to be baskets coming down, not because we're going, oh boy, comes the money basket, let's get going. That's not why we do that. It's a part of your spiritual growth, just like getting to sing, just like sharing in communion, just like listening to messages from God's word. Generosity, having an opportunity to give back, is be, it's, it helps you grow and you need it. I would not be an effective spiritual leader if I didn't say, you need to be generous. You need to bring back to God through your local church. In fact, in the first century, this guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul, was planting churches all over the place. And you can read about that throughout the New Testament, specifically in the book of Acts and beyond. 
how he planted church after church after church. And he gave this instruction to people who follow Christ in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, when he said this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Again, He obviously knew what Jesus taught about our money and our heart being connected. And so he's connecting our money and our heart. And what he's talking about is giving to the local church. If you think about it, there's a lot of places you can give. There's a lot of ways you can be generous. Paul's talking about giving to the local church. That's a lot of bang for your buck. The local church does a lot. Your generosity has helped do things like plant a church halfway around the world. You're gonna, we're going to plant another one later this year in Ecuador, close to the other one that we planted. Not only did you plant a church, your generosity helped sponsor a bunch of kids. And I found out over the last week that that one church that reaches about 300 people a week, that's only a year and a half old, really touches about 3,000 lives when you count the kids that they serve every week and their, the, the way they deliver food and all they do to serve their community. They touch about 3,000 people with the gospel because of your generosity. Where else could you give a portion of your income to see that much impact happen in the world? And then locally, watching people have needs, spiritual needs and material needs and relational needs, watch those needs be met because of your generosity. Last year, we partnered with a a school in Raleigh that has one of the highest free and reduced lunch ratios in the county. And we partnered with them to help make sure that kids had a good Christmas. And we're going to do that again this year. And we told the administrators at that school, look, when, when you need something, come to us, because we're here to help because of the love of Christ in our church and the generosity of our people. Today, if you stick around, if you come back after the second service, you're going to see a baptism over here and somebody following Christ in baptism. And one of those people doing that is a a young girl from Germany who came here for the summer because she has a connection to a family here at our church. She came here for a vacation, but she ended up learning about Jesus and read her Bible until she was convinced that she needed to follow Christ And I sat with her and she accepted Christ and today she's going to follow Christ in baptism. All of that happens because people are generous. Because people make sure, hey, this place called LifePoint is really making a difference in the world and I love being a part of it. Generosity makes a difference. It helps you grow spiritually. And you might be thinking, well, I've never really given to, where do I start? How much do I give? Just start. I mean, we talk about tithing, we talk about 10%. That's not a, there's, you can't open up and hear Jesus say, you better tithe or you're in big trouble. He doesn't say that. Nowhere in the New Testament does it say that. We use 10% as a guide. There, there's, God's not going to send you to hell if you don't tithe, just so you know. He's not going to love you less. He's not going to be mad at you if you say, well, I'm not going to do 10%. Forget it. Not going to do it. But it's a good guide. It's like... When you, I remember teaching my girls how to drive. Well, I I taught them to stop at stop signs. I taught them uh, to obey the speed limit and all other traffic laws. Not not because I would love them less if they didn't. If one of them came home and said, dad, I ran a stop sign. Get out, out of the house. You're done. Give me the keys. That's not, I taught them that because it protects them. 
because it keeps them safe. The same reason God says, tithe, not to make me love you more, but just, hey, it's a way to make yourself safe, to make sure your heart doesn't get pulled after other things. Because for some people, a tithe is nothing, easy, not a big deal. For some people, you can't even imagine. You need to start like way below that. Just start being generous wherever you are. God wants to protect our hearts from being pulled away from him. One of the best ways we can do that is to be generous with what we have. I'll just challenge you. Start today. Start next week. Whenever you can, start being generous. If you can tithe, that's a great place to begin. You may not be able to get there yet, but we're going to have later this year, early next year, some financial biblical financial classes that will really help Financial Peace University and another one that's, that really helps us think about our finances in a different way. See, Jesus talked so much about money because he knew the struggle that we would have and he knew the potential that money had to grab our hearts. Here's why this is important. One, it's important because Jesus thought it was important. If he thinks something's important, we ought to think something's important. For the Christ follower, generosity is a pathway to spiritual growth. It's important because Generosity is a tangible way to demonstrate my priorities. And according to what the Bible says over and over, it is a pathway to blessing in our life. So how do I do it? How do I start? Well, just decide. Like the Apostle Paul says, decide in your heart what you should give. Decide. That's how. Just decide to do it and start doing it. Make a plan. And start wherever you are. Some people be a lot less, some people be a lot more, but start. What amount demonstrates trust? Well, I can't decide that for you. You have to decide that for you. What amount in your heart demonstrates you're bringing to God what's first and you're saying, God, I trust you. I trust you you're going to provide and this is what I'm bringing back to you. What amount is that? For some people, it is 10%. For some, it might be 5%. For some, it might be 25%. You know what amount demonstrates trust and you know what amount demonstrates just leftovers another way to get started is to realize it's never too early or never too late if you've never given before in your life it's not too late to start it's not too late to say let's let's kind of back up and reprioritize so we can get generosity as a priority in our life doesn't matter how old you are if you've never done it before if you're a follower of christ you've never done it before it's never too late to start. It's also never too early. Our kids in the kids area, our elementary kids, they bring an offering every week. What we're going to do with that offering is when we go on our trip to Ecuador in the spring, we are going to build a playground with the 3,800 bucks or whatever, something like that, that the kids have raised by bringing their allowance. And when grandma, grandpa gives them money, they bring coins, they put it in. And that's, that's amounted to $3,800. It's going to build a playground halfway around the world for kids to play on. They're learning how to be generous early. And the only way to be generous is to be generous. The only way to learn generosity is to start being generous. It's not about money. It's not about giving the church more money. It's about trusting in God. That's what it's about. It's not about making sure the offering's bigger. It's about making sure that your heart is not pulled after things that will pull you away from God. Because he already said, you can't serve me and money. 
and a great way around that happening in you is to be generous. When I give to God first, I prove that God is first. What do you have to do in life to reprioritize in a way that says, I'm no longer going to say I can't fit generosity in my life. It's going to be a priority. Whatever that is, start. Do it and be generous. God, thank you for this reminder from Jesus that generosity changes our lives. God, may the the people in here that have never experienced the joy that comes from being generous, may they begin to prioritize that in their life. And Father, for the people that demonstrate generosity and they know who they are and they know how they've changed the world, I pray that you would just uh, let them feel your presence and your comfort in knowing that by putting you first, they have your blessing and they've helped make a big difference. God, help us learn how to be generous and love you more than our stuff. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.